Game three of the NBA Finals is tonight. What are the adjustments that each team has to make? And is Jason Tatum a superstar? We'll talk about it right now on the Locked On NBA podcast. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, welcome back to the Locked On NBA podcast, uh, the podcast covering the entire league, Monday through Friday. I almost forgot how to intro this show because I've been running around covering the NBA Finals, but this is what we're going to do on this show as well, covering the NBA Finals. Locked On NBA, like every other Locked On podcast, is free, it's available daily, it'll be there for you in the morning when you get ready to go to work or whatever it is that you're doing, and it's on YouTube. You can watch the show on YouTube. Watch us. Uh, on Wednesdays, I'm one of your regular co-hosts, John Corrales, at John underscore Corrales on Twitter, and I cover the Celtics on the Locked On Celtics podcast. And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Nola Jake. You, are you jet lagged flying back? I am not all mentally there. <laughs> <laughs> No, could not tell at all from from the open of the show that we do the, every week. The fog that exists in San Francisco has permeated my skull and is residing in my brain. Yeah, it's it's going back and forth has been uh, interesting. And air travel in general, anybody who's flown understands that there's just it's harder now. Flights are scarcer. There's more. There are more problems. So. Um, that is not unique to NBA travel, but it's been it's been a, a wild ride, let's say. But I'm here. I'm ready. I feel good. This is the middle. This is a normal time to be podcasting. I am mostly awake, and uh, hopefully the Celtics and Warriors are mostly awake for their game tonight. Hey, look, it's it's 1-1. I'm excited. Two days off between finals games almost feels like forever. Like it's been weeks since game two. So I'm excited we get to preview game three and talk about adjustments and things like that on what should hopefully be a good game. Yeah, this is going to be this is going to be a fun one. Now, I guess the first question here, and I'll just I'll throw it out to you. The Celtics MO all playoffs long has generally been win one, lose one, win one, lose one, um, except for when they went down. 3-2 to the the Bucks they won two in a row but they they kind of have been alternating wins so do you anticipate that they continue alternating wins or what do you what do you expect to be uh the storyline here for for the game 3 it's it's a good question right i think they're are they undefeated almost after losses in the this postseason so far or they have an exceptional record after they lose a game right they have not lost the way they the way the stat is phrased because they lost two in a row at the end of the season okay. when they sat everybody against Toronto so that was a consecutive loss so what they're saying is they haven't lost consecutive meaningful games where like have actually played their starters back since January so they haven't lost they haven't lost two in a row like real games in a row like since uh, I forget what the yeah date, but it's like January. It's, it's still impressive right it's like that's still an incredible time. streak yeah and. You know, but the other thing is, though, they're not great at home in the postseason or at least this this postseason so far. So you kind of have these two almost opposite things kind of going at each other, which means I have no idea how what we're going to see from them. And it, it honestly might come down to like adjustments and things like that. And I think early on you might be able to see if the Celtics are going to be in this one 
in a way that you probably hope they do compared to what we saw in say like game two and things like that. Yeah. I would say that for the Celtics, it, the, the story for the Celtics is simple. And I say this with apologies to the locked on heat folks. I hear, I heard David Ramil on locked on NBA yesterday. Talk about this. I know this pisses off the, the heat fans. And I know this bothers fa- other fan bases because when the Celtics do stuff wrong, the the outwardly it has been said, well, the it's it's Boston's fault, and and it the credit is taken away from the the team that they're playing against for for causing those turnovers, especially it's, the Celtics. It's very simple. They Emi uh, Doka put the stat out there today. They're zero and five, I think, when they turn the ball over fifteen times or more, and they are something like 15 and two when it's less than that. So the, the other team deserves some credit, right? You steal the ball, you deserve credit. But when I'm watching the, the, the game and I'm rewatching the film for Boston, there, there are certainly turnovers that the other team forces, but just for the sake of clarification, when the Celtics turn the ball over 20 times, there is a large percentage of that that is preventable. And that's when we talk about, when I talk about the Celtics just coughed it up. That's what I'm talking about. There are, if they turn it over 20 times and there's like six steals from the Warriors, the Warriors, great, good job, good defense. But then honestly, Jake, there's like a dozen turnovers where you look at Boston, you say, well, why did you dribble so deep without a plan you like Jalen Brown does that a lot <laughs> yeah you dribble over penetrate you get into the restricted area and now you're like oh crap and and they they just they make these mistakes where they do they yeah, they're unforced errors right like that's right. kind of what it is to a certain extent you, you know so where you should do something else and then they go two steps further than that and they get stuck and they turn the ball over so I agree with that to an extent like having watched them and seen some of that and looking at some of those turnovers in game two. And look, the biggest story of adjustments and things like that, I think, is turnovers, first and foremost, right? Like that's kind of the theme of the wins and losses for the Boston Celtics this postseason, particularly that Miami series, too. So a lot of those were definitely them just kind of not boneheaded plays, but it's kind of like you said, like, what, what, are, you, what are you doing there? There were like two where they just stepped out of bounds. And it's like you can avoid that. Those are things that can be fixed and corrected but i think a lot of the things particularly the one about like jalen brown that you just mentioned was also due to the defensive adjustments by the warriors right like they're playing further up on a lot of those a lot of the boston role players and it's not so much that they were forcing steals by getting their arms in the passing lanes right or blocking a shot or or doing all those things it was kind of that defensive pressure seemed to make them feel uncomfortable and let them into those sort of mistakes you know getting Draymond Green on Jalen Brown with his at times kind of unreliable handle instead of having Green on Al Horford I think was really big and having Clay Thompson on Horford and doing a good enough job on Horford that he got nothing going in that game was massive and so when I look at some of those turnovers I think it's due almost to an extent by the Warriors and their game plan even if the Warriors aren't like directly forcing some of that. Does that make sense? I know what you're saying. And it, it does make sense. So so when you see things like like the stuff that you mentioned, a hundred percent, those are plays that the Warriors are making and playing great defense. 
when I'm looking at this, and now obviously I look at things entirely almost from the self. <laughs> um, but when I see, I, I look, I know I'm the Celtics guy, but I, I do. No, you, I, I do you're objective with it. Like I'm going to give you that. Like, when yeah, they, you, when you're bad, not here being like a fan Homer guy. I will, I will tell you that they're bad. And, and so the stuff that you're talking about hundred percent, absolutely. But here's the thing when the Celtics, I, there's one play, this one play in particular that I'm talking about where like Jalen Brown has Gary Payton on his left side. He does not have him on his hip. So when you're driving and you have the guy on your hip, you know that you could take a little step to your left. If you're driving right and he's on your left side, a little step to your step to your left. And now you jump and he's on your hip. He's going to follow you. You get that, you get that contact, you go up, you get that layup. That's, that's driving with a plan. I got him here. I know if I just cut him, cut him off, I have that angle to cut him off. It's an and one or an and one opportunity, but Peyton is now not on his hip. In reality, he's more to his side. So Jalen has to make a decision at that point. It's because you're the offensive player and you know, when you're stop, when you're going to stop and the defensive player doesn't, he's always going to take an extra step. So when you have him on your side, drive hard, stop, step back jumper, mid-range shot, Jalen Brown, bread and butter, that's a great shot for him. Take that shot. That's what Ime says. Take that shot. That's the adjustment. Now if you take and make that shot, now he has to hug up on you a little bit more. He, they have to adjust to you. Or stop, pop, fake, draw the defense. Now you throw the pass to Al Horford rather than get into that oh crap moment and you turn and you fire fastball to a guy three feet away. Those are the preventable types of uh, turnovers that the Celtics really constantly over-penetrating. That's why I just said the Celtics get to a point where they make, they're at a point on the floor like, boom, this is where you stop and you make the pass or take the shot. The Celtics, when they're at their worst, get to that point and go, no, I'm going to do a couple more things. <laughs> and they go, oh, no. <laughs> and you, Tatum, Tatum's MO is passing it to the other team, not recognizing a guy in the passing lane when he gets into trouble and it's a it's pick six. Jalen's MO is getting into trouble and having the ball stripped from him when he's in too deep. And then it's like a fumble recovery and you're going the other way. Those have to stop. And those are the preventable ones that aren't the other team playing defense. The other team does play defense after the Celtics get to that point. Get to <laughs> stop at here and do what they need to do. Then the, the other team's defense isn't the factor. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I'll give you that one. Like I said, I think it's a combination of a number of things. You know, I oh, like that game plan from from the Warriors to just kind of let Tatum do his thing and limit some of the role players, which are the guys who killed them in game one, right? And you saw it. You, the three of the starters in that second game scored a combined six points. Two yep. points for Horford, two points for Smart, two points for Robert Williams, you know, who played limited minutes compared to the other ones. So, and maybe this is for the next segment. How, how do the Celtics yes. get those guys going? And let's, what do they need do to do, right? Let's do okay, that in the next segment. Because that you got two things. That's our next two segments right there. That's how do you get those guys going? And how do you, is Jason Tatum, the, the later on real or fake, is Jason Tatum a superstar? Because I will shout out Matt Moore, who I was listening to yesterday on Lockdown NBA, who said it's almost as if, I apologize, I'm not going to get this exactly right, but 
it's almost as if the, both teams are better when the main guys aren't the guys. When when the role players are the guys, that's when yeah, that each sense. team is at its best. So we'll save that when we come back. First, let's talk about Sakara. Now, you feel your best when you eat right. I know, I can tell you from being on the beat and traveling, when you eat poorly and you're running through airports and grabbing crap and putting that into your body, it drags you down. Sakara helps you live a healthy, balanced, truly life that you can truly enjoy with delicious, plant-rich, transformational nutrition that builds a foundation for living in your best body. Sakara is a wellness company anchored in food as medicine on a mission to nourish your body through the power of plants. It gives you the tools to transform your life with organic, ready-to-eat meal delivery, uh, and it's a program with uh, functional wellness essentials. Basically, you get this, the power of the plants already made for you and delivered to you. So you don't have to do all of the prep work and all of that stuff. This is nutritionally designed, chef-crafted breakfast, lunch, and dinners made with powerful plant-rich ingredients that helps boost your energy, support your digestion, curbs your sugar cravings, gets your skin glowing. Plus, it's all delivered right to your door, ready to eat. Sakara's functional plant-rich wellness essentials help you create a body you love living in. From the best-selling metabolism super powder to the foundation, their daily supplement packs, Sakara's products are designed to support your wellness goals anytime, anywhere. Again, being on the road, I appreciate something like Sakara so much more. Right now, Sakara is offering listeners 20% off their first order. When you go to sakara.com slash locked on 20 or enter code locked on 20 at checkout. That's Sakara, S A K A R A dot com slash locked on 20 to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash locked on 20. Thank you, everybody, for making Locked On Celtics your first, I'm sorry, Locked On NBA your first listener. And Locked On Celtics, what the hell? Why not? You're, you're probably coming over for listening from my podcast anyway, right? So uh, Locked On NBA, whatever whatever Locked On show it is, we have put together a survey that will help make all of our Locked On podcasts better. Uh, we want to learn more about listeners like you to make your favorite Locked On podcast the best that they can possibly be. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about Lockdown Podcasts, like when John screws up the beginning of a read like this. Put it down in the survey. Go to LockdownPodcasts.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take you very long, and everyone that completes the survey qualifies for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. So to take the audience survey, go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. We do appreciate your help, Jake Madison. Help me stop talking. <laughs> I'm about to probably make you talk a whole lot more because when looking at this game three here, you know, I, clearly the Warriors plan in game two was to eliminate those role players and play up on them. And they played, they, they, they gave them no room on the perimeter on those guys and just clamped down on those guys to prevent catch and shoot, kick out situations after guys like Horford burden them from three in game one right? And they wanted to fix that and let kind of Tatum do his thing. And it worked. Smart had two points. Robert Williams, two points. Al Horford had two points. That's three of your five starters scoring a six, six total points, which is never going to win you any sort of game. So looking at this, 
you know, an adjustment Boston need, needs to make with like cap, capitalized, right, is get those guys going in some capacity. They have to, right? The Warriors had Clay Thompson on Al Horford and it allowed, you know, Draymond Green, who didn't do as much offensively in that game, which was good for the Warriors, to play on Jalen Brown. And to really limit him and have a disruptful defender kind of hit that point of attack. How do you fix that if you're the Celtics in game three? Well, I, I think the simple answer is ball movement and, and an extension of what I was talking about before. Where mm-hmm. instead of instead of turning this into a one-on-one thing, because the Celtics are worse when they're one-on-one. And it goes back to what I was saying about Matt. He's 100% right. In that assessment, the Celtics are better when the ball pops, when they, they had 30 assists the other night uh, in game one, when the ball pops, they're better. And I, I, I consider the Celtics, they really are like isolation basketball addicts. And whenever they have the opportunity to play ISO basketball, they really have a hard time passing that up. What they need <laughs> to do is get back to, and they do this, they, 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 they go back and forth. And this is, this is why I, I do liken it and not flippantly. I'm not trying to be flippant about addiction, but the Celtics will, will say, it's like, it's like if we go on a bender, you know, and you say after, after a Saturday night, like you're going crazy, you, you know, get, get hammered. You wake up in the morning, you go, Oh my God, never again. I'm never drinking again. And then a few days go by, you haven't had anything to drink and you're like, Nah, that's fine. So let's go on Friday night. Let's go out. And next thing you know, you're doing shots and everything. And then the next morning, you're like, oh, what did I do? I said I wasn't going to drink again. And I did it again. That's the Celtics. Every other game in this series. You know, you say, why? Why did I go so much ISO? Why am I doing this? Next day, pass, pass, pass. Get that ball moving. It's multiple attacks. Get the ball. Tatum, attack, collapse. Don't go too crazy. Get off the ball. Get it to the next guy. That guy comes in attacks. Tatum replaces. Now he goes. The, if the Warriors are trying to pack the paint, it's just contract and expand, contract and expand. What happens when things contract and expand? You open up a hole in the middle of it. It's like a pothole. That's why potholes open up. Contract the defense, expand the defense. Keep doing that. Kick, attack again, kick again, attack again. By the second or third time, someone is going to make a mistake. One of those weak links, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, one of those guys is going to go the wrong way. And then that's when that guy scores. So keep putting that pressure on the defense. And it's it's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. They will open up the drive and kick opportunities, and someone will be open. And it'll very often be one of those role players. Yeah. I, so I think that's great in theory, right? But I think the Golden State Warriors kind of took some of that away in – game two by, you know, not really by kind of like not, not, not defending Jason Tatum. Right. But kind of almost letting him do his thing. And this is going to key into something that I want to talk about in the next segment, when we look at if he's a superstar or not, and kind of some of his postseason performances with that, of uh, if they're just going to let him kind of go and score, well, then I don't know if there's really an opportunity for that drive and kick game. And they seem content to kind of live with him scoring and not letting anyone else get involved and almost banking on the fact that he wasn't going to go for, say, 50 points or something along those lines. And so before you even kind of get that Warriors defense to start to key in on him, he's going to need to make them pay kind of like early on. So I wonder if you almost have to try and get like Jason Tatum going like to, to an insanely hot degree early on in this one to get the Warriors defense to kind of 
abandon their game plan and go, oh no, we're going to lose if he's doing this because they seem cool with him kind of doing what he wanted in game two, knowing it's not going to be enough. I think, I think that Tatum, Tatum really has to do the opposite of that. Be honest with you. Like he can't, he can't. No, that's great. Yeah. He can't keep, he can't go for his own early. Like he can't be looking for his own offense. He has to just understand if, if they are walling him off, then at the, at the early parts of the game, you have to be willing to make them pay for it. Because if you just keep trying to go up against that wall and. But, but they weren't walling him off a ton, were they? Like, it seemed like they were content to let him kind of attack, knowing, okay, we have enough down low to kind of, not, again, if he goes for 50, yeah, that was a bad mistake and we're going to probably lose the game. But they seemed kind of to bank on the fact that he wouldn't and would be able to kind of limit some of those role players with them staying really home on the perimeter that prevented those catch and shoot situations. They had a ton of those in game one. They didn't have really many at all in game two. I'll, I'll I'll save one of my pieces of, of Tatum analysis for the next <laughs> segment because he does need to attack with more force. But okay, there you go. But he does need to attack with more force for sure. It's something I've been asking them for. Um, but at the same time, it's it's pick the right spot to do that. It's okay. You know what I mean? So yeah, it it has to be. And I think both teams, like this is the game plan for both teams. I know I'm talking strictly from a Celtics perspective, but honestly, both of these teams are very, very similar in a lot of ways. They're not constructed the same way, but there's there are similarities in, in the way to get the superstars going in both instances is to find ways to open things up for the role players. And just so like, I agree with that, yeah, yeah, which is like when Jordan Poole, like you got to get Jordan Poole going, you got to get him the confidence to get going, just like you got to get Derek White and Marcus Smart and Al Horford that same that same confidence. The Warriors are going to do it in a little bit of a different way. Their offense is going to be constructed a little bit differently, but the the Celtics, I think, if if, if they are insistent and they have been on Tatum initiating the offense then they have to say what the whole point of Tatum initiating the offense is to draw two and yeah. get off the ball. That's the entire, because there's no other reason to have him be effectively your point guard. You have Marcus smart, who is a good point guard and can run the plays. If we're going to look at ways to get Tatum off, then I say you get him off the ball and let smart run the plays. And then you get him the ball on the move and you know you run your pin downs and the other stuff, and he can get the ball in the move and make his make his decisive moves, and that's how he gets going and and heats up quickly. But to get the other guys going, if he if he's going to get the ball and draw two, then just lean into that, draw the two way out, and dump it off to somebody else, and let and let you let the Celtics play four on three for a second and a half, enough to open up that little bit of a sliver for somebody to make a play. Yeah, I, I, so I think that's some of the keys to it, right? It's just finding ways to get those other role players in spots they like and open for shots to burn that Warriors defense because they're going to give, I think they're going to kind of stick with the same game plan and they're going to give Tatum some options to really go. And like, there's a very, you know, it's very realistic in this game that he's going to score 30 plus points. You know, if he scores 50, they're certainly going to win, but I think he can get 30 and they still lose, which is basically what happened the other night. And I think it's about getting those other guys 
probably moving more, right? Like it looked like the Celtics were waiting for catch and shoot opportunities to develop and those never really did. So maybe you've got to get those guys moving off ball. And maybe it's like you said, letting Marcus Smart run the offense a little bit more, run some more set plays, things like that, to generate some open looks to your other guys to kind of try and keep that defense a little bit more honest and then open it up for Jason Tatum to maybe kind of take you home and try and close that game out. And maybe there's a way to get Draymond Green off of Jalen Brown so that he doesn't have 17 points on 17 shots and, you know, very inefficient game. I think that's kind of the key, right? Like you looked at this series and at one point it was going to be about that Boston defense versus the Warriors offense. And we kind of called that one a little bit of a draw to a certain degree, right? When we previewed this last week. And then it was, okay, when I started looking at this and thinking more about the series is, is Boston going to have enough offense? And game one, when those role players are hitting those threes and making shots and getting good looks, yeah, definitely. But when you have it in game two, when they really limited those guys, right? Smart was 0 for 3 from 3. Al Horford didn't even take a three-point attempt, which after game one is kind of wild to think about that he they couldn't even manufacture a good look for him from three, right? With Clay Thompson guarding him for the most part in this one. They need to figure that stuff out, in my opinion, to generate more offense because otherwise look at the Celtics with the turnover issues they have. And it's like, yeah, look, they're great defensively. They are, absolutely. And then you have Steph Curry who can do Steph Curry things and as good as your defense is, like, who, who cares? And then where do your points come from to be able to go out and store, score and try and keep up with them when you're in that scenario? And that's where I kind of worry about Boston. But if they can get those other guys going, like, you've got to try and create some three-point attempts for Al Horford in this one. Yeah, you do. You do. Um, I, I will finish up my 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 point here with this in, in – as far as adjustments and all the other stuff, um, it, it, if the Celtics, let's go to the other end just for a hot second. Yeah. If the Celtics can just um, rein things in and play their defense to just their normal defense, I think their defense has been fine. So I think if mm-hmm. the Celtics, I agree with just, that. Just when we talk about the, limit the turnovers, play your defense, and just don't let your offense impact your defense. The Celtics freelanced just a few too many times uh and i talked to grant williams today about it he, he admits like there are a couple of plays where grant kind of drifted off his guy because steph curry was coming and he tried to go make a play and both of those times it cost the celtics three pointers between the celtics losing guys defensively and making like just generally the defense is okay stay disciplined and make those plays um limit the turnovers you gave up 33 points off of turnovers in the last game cut that in half cut cut down some of those defensive mistakes you're talking about a 20 point swing you know mm-hmm. not only if you cut not only do you cut the turnover thing in half from like 30 to 15 that's not only 15 points that they don't score you don't even know how many points you're adding on the other side by having an actual good possession you might be scoring a couple of buckets there so that could be that could be you know 30 point swing so I still think I still think the Celtics are gonna win game game three. And you know who else thinks they're gonna win game three? Bet online has them as three and a half point favorites right now. Celtics minus 3.5. So I think I'm onto something, Jake. Bet online is your number one source for all your betting, sports, stats, info. Find all the latest developments, news, and odds, including obviously the NBA finals. 
the NHL Conference Finals. I think uh, Colorado punched a ticket to the Stanley Cup uh, Finals there. So uh, you got MLB, you've got the latest fights, MMA, UFC, boxing, all of that stuff. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, live betting. So if you like that three and a half points and the Celtics are up by, let's say, 10 at the half, you want to say, oh, well, let's see what the live live odds for the second half. Maybe you can uh, maybe you like the Celtics to close out. Maybe you like the Warriors and their third quarter explosions to change things. You can bet on that live in-game betting. So head on over to the website today. Use your mobile device. You can learn more about the trends in action. Bet online is where the game starts. We ask you to please gamble responsibly. All right, Jake. Uh, one of the storylines, because there's always like a weird, quirky storyline that comes out of these media days. I got to tell you, for people who don't don't understand, like the normal grind of a season, even through the conference finals, it's it's a very set pattern, a very set cadence to everything media wise. Then the NBA finals rolls around. Now, I've never covered the NBA finals in depth um, in person like this. But there are, for each team, there are two interview rooms going at the same time and two podiums out on the floor. So you've got three players in one room, the coach and two players in the other room, two players at one podium, two players at the other. You've got everybody basically on the team. And you've got the uh, in the bench guys sitting there somewhere. If anybody wanted to talk to, like, Nick Stauskas, he's, he's right there. You can go <laughs> grab him if you want. Um, it's wild to see the level the multiple buses of media that pull up for for these things so everybody's asked it's almost like a a super bowl media day every practice it's wild um so jason tatum was asked about being a superstar and he said basically said look this didn't come from me people want to debate um people you know you commented to the, the commenter said I've seen there's a huge debate is he a superstar superstar or not I don't I want to know where that came from did I tweet that did I ever say I'm a superstar I'm on the verge that never came from me so let's start with this we do real or fake every Wednesday uh on this podcast so let me ask you real or fake Jason Tatum is a superstar it's fake right now but just just barely right now. He needs another postseason of this, of a deep run during the postseason to really get there. When you start to look at his resume, though, like he checks a lot of the boxes, right? Three-time All-Star. He's made the All-NBA teams twice, including this past year. He's checking a lot of those things. He's the best player on a team in the NBA Finals. That's going to get you really far. You probably just need one more run of it doing that to really like kind of cement his place in that superstar conversation. So I'm going to call it fake, but, but barely, but like you look at some of the postseason performances he's had, right? He's had a 50 point, 51 point postseason game. Those type of things I think really matter in kind of building that legacy of like, you're a superstar and it takes some of that postseason success. And then I even look at him in that like buck series where he had almost three games of 30 plus points, like do that one more season in the postseason. And, or one more year in the postseason, and I'm going to be fully bought in. Like he's like right, just so close. He is close. He is close. I, I'm. I know maybe people would expect me to argue for for it as real, uh, but I, I think superstardom is reserved for the 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 you know best of the best. LeBron, Giannis, yeah, the, and like the perennial MVP candidates, and and Tatum, yeah, Tatum is taking a different path. He didn't come in 
like a Luca who is of similar age, but is, is kind of seen as one of those, he can kind of manipulate the game and he can do a lot of things on the floor and he can go out there and he can just will his team to certain performances. Tatum has had monster performances in, in these playoffs and in the past and has willed his team in certain circumstances, but like he, he hasn't got, first of all, this is the first time he's gotten to the finals. So, you know, he's young, he's only 23. So like you said, multiple runs to the finals elevates his, his star for sure. But what I don't see from Tatum is what you see from a LeBron or Durant or, or something, or, or I will say actually in these playoffs, more Giannis where Giannis took that Bucks team without Chris Middleton and said, I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to not let us lose this series. And he like almost did it. He almost yeah. shorthanded, like averaged like 40 and 15. Um, the Celtics entire defense was geared towards stopping him. And they still, even though they made him have a more inefficient series, like his, his effective field goal percentage was way down but because his usage was like at 50%, some ungodly number, he still went and averaged like the 40 and the 15. Tatum is still a little too easily taken out in certain games. I want to see him take that next. That's his next step. That to me is his next step, which isn't to say like, I don't want to take away from what he is, which is, a, a major star in the NBA and an extraordinarily popular player. You know, he's, he doesn't sell Gatorade and stuff like that because people don't like him. He's, he's an amazing player and a deserving first team all NBA. But if you want to be called a superstar, like Tatum in a superstar mode, I think would say, all right, you know what? Tonight, game three, hop on my back. I'm do I got this. I got this. Yeah. And this feeling of like, inevitability of, well, you know, Tatum is going to step up. And I, right now, I just don't think we're at that. You know, he's, you know, he can. And in Boston, they're hopeful that he can step up, but I don't think everybody in Boston is like, Oh yeah, this is, this is a 40 piece coming and let's see who he can, he can pull along with him. You just don't know. So I agree with that. That I think you nailed it right there. Like that's it, right? Like does he feel inevitable in the postseason in a key game? And that's not kind of what I get from him, right? Like he's as you said, he's capable of doing it. He's done it in the past at times, right? We've seen him with 50 points. We've seen him with two 40 plus point games as well. But has it ever been where it's like, oh, cool, they got Jason Tatum. He's just gonna take over this game and he's gonna at least get them real close to a victory, or they fall like just short. I feel comfortable with Giannis doing that, right? You're in the game and it's a must win, and you're like, oh, they got Giannis. They they're they're good. I, you know, you even say that about Luka Doncic to a certain degree, as you 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 know, you mentioned his name, but you don't really kind of feel that way about Jason Tatum just yet. And now that he's having some postseason success, and look, I think in this game, he's going to need to score like 50-plus for them to really have a realistic chance of winning the Celtics with the way that defense played. Now, if he goes and does that, that's one of those things where you're like, oh, wait, look at what he just did. And it gets him further along in that conversation. And maybe they still lose this series, but then he kind of has that signature moment of, as you said, put the team on his back and he goes, don't worry, we're going to get there. You guys just got to do a little bit and I'll take care of 90% of everything here. And then next year, 
he has a couple games like that in the postseason, right? Or, you know, and maybe for him, hopefully he doesn't need to do that and the Celtics are better and you have your supporting cast stepping up. But when those guys don't, he's got to be the one to be like, all right, I'm going to do it, right? It's like the supervillain that's tired of sending henchmen in that keep dying to the heroes. He's like, I'm just going to do it myself. And he needs to kind of take that mindset and do it. And you just don't see that enough from him just yet, but he certainly is capable of it. I think he's, I think he's uh, an off season or two away from, mm -hmm. from this, you know, and again, only 23. So he's, um, well, is he, is he only 23? The other thing is like the defense, 24. right? Like that gets kind of lost 24. in this. <laughs> His defense is really good. His defense is really good. Yeah. He's a two-way player. He's 24. I want to make sure that he, he just turned 24. So he's still a few years away from his actual prime. And look, not everybody comes in as a LeBron. Not everybody comes in and just dominates right away. Tatum, Tatum's growing his game a little more slowly up to that superstardom. You don't typically see it happen this way, but as he grows into that body, that big frame of his, he's just adding these little elements. I really think that he's he's a summer or two of some ball handling work and some just tweaks mentally about his his approach offensively to the game. And and what you don't see all the time is like Giannis doesn't just walk in and just like I'm dominating every second I'm on the floor. There are times when it's like you got to understand when to set up these guys. And this was his first year as truly being challenged by Ime Udoka to become a playmaker and to yeah. average, you know, he's averaging seven and eight assists, something like he's had, he's getting those biggest see a 13 the other night, put it all together. Like I think if he puts it all together in the next year or two, maybe next year or the year after we can start seeing him in some real meaningful MVP conversations, especially as the Celtics now, ascend to this finals kind of contender whatever moves they make whatever pro progress he makes whatever coaching he gets from Emi Udoka can get him to that level yeah I agree with that no like totally I, again I think he's close like I think he's really close he's like one of the guys that you look at and it's like that's kind of the next one up to a certain degree and with this team being good potentially having another deep postseason run in the future like those are the things he kind of needs look do it tonight do it tonight. Start it tonight. This is the, like the game to do it, given the Warriors' defense and kind of what they did in game two. This is the first step. If he does this here, that's going to get a lot of people kind of paying a little bit more attention to him on that and really is kind of the big first step that he needs to take to kind of get into that conversation. Let's see. Let's see what he does tonight. Celtics-Warriors game three. So check it out check out the post game reaction on the lockdown celtics podcast lockdown warriors too got to give cyrus a shout out does does a great job there make sure you get both sides make sure you get both sides jake maybe one of these days maybe soon the lockdown nba podcast but with us can be a crossover celtics pelicans preview that'd be, fun. be fun nba finals in in new orleans would be a pretty good time talk about benders <laughs> we'll both be sitting here like oh my god why did we do this to ourselves i can't even talk about this game yeah as we record at like 6 p.m and we're still struggling <laughs> we'll be, we might as well at that point we'll, we'll be like walking out of wherever like at 10 a.m like, we're we'll live at a now. bar basically let's just do it now yeah we'll be on bourbon street or something like that walking back <laughs> all right <laughs> until then we'll we'll just focus on these finals uh, thanks for uh, listening to the Lockdown NBA podcast. On Wednesdays, I'm one of your hosts, John Corrales, uh, host of the Lockdown Celtics podcast, as you might have heard, at John underscore Corrales on Twitter.
And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast at Nola Jake on Twitter. And hey, how about the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast? Check that out. The draft is coming up uh, very, very quickly. Locked On NBA Big Board, Rafael Barlow is awesome at his job. Make sure you're subscribed to that. Subscribe to the show. Share the podcast with your friends, family, random people on the street. Tell them they should be listening to and watching Locked On NBA right here on the Locked On Podcast Network.